listening to With Woman, a podcast hosted by midwives Sophie and Ashley. Join us as we help you to navigate the transition from womanhood to motherhood and everything in between. With Woman is your unfiltered and raw guide to empowering you to trust the process in hopes that each episode leaves you feeling a little more supported through your journey. Before we get into this episode, a little disclaimer. Although we are midwives, the information discussed in this podcast is not intended to substitute the care or advice of your healthcare provider. And we swear a lot. So here's your warning on that too. Welcome back to another episode of With Woman. I'm very excited to introduce our new series within the podcast called Birth of a Mother. This is where we invite women to open up about their birth journey and their experiences transitioning into motherhood. So to kick off the series, we thought we'd choose a guest that's very close to home. She's taken her co-host hat off and is ready to get vulnerable, raw and honest with us about her journey into motherhood. So to introduce a woman that really needs very little introduction to this podcast, my lovely co-host and dear friend Sophie. Hello. <laughs> you make me very nervous now. <laughs> I hope you're ready to go deep. I am ready. <laughs> so I always like to know woman's perception on motherhood. So to kick off the questions for you today, what's your philosophy on what it means to be a mother or motherhood in general? I don't think it's so much a philosophy, but it's how I kind of look at motherhood. Motherhood means to me never knowing I needed something until it was there. Oh, that's really beautiful. Until Hayes actually... My son's name is Hayes, just so everyone knows that now. Until he actually came along, I never even knew that the intense feeling of being completely out of depth at the same time as being like someone's everything could even be possible. Yeah, wow. But I don't think that's really like a philosophy of motherhood. I think that's just what it's taught your inner you. feels. Yeah. 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 And in three words or less, can you describe your journey into motherhood so far? This one's so hard. How do you narrow it down to three? You can have five if you need five. I'll go with three because then it makes it harder (laughs) even with five. Um, Grateful. I'm very grateful that I could even fall pregnant, Mm. that it was very easy for me to fall pregnant and that the journey through motherhood so far has been relatively, I wouldn't say easy, but Mm. relatively good for me. Second word would be learning. I think it's a massive learning outcome. No matter how many times people can tell you something, until you're actually going through it, you're like, uh-huh. Um, and then the third one would be a dream. Oh, so. <laughs> I think because growing up, from like the age of like 15, I wanted to be a mum. I think yeah. that was like my overall thing. Above being a midwife, everything, no matter what career I was always going to be in, my one thing was I wanted to be a mother. He made it come true. And what surprised you the most? The guilt. Yeah. The mum guilt. Yeah. I've gotten a few messages from you about mum guilt. I don't know how you even describe it. Everything you do. In your head, you're like, I'm doing it right. Or I'm doing everything he possibly needs. But like in your heart, you're like, I feel guilty about it. Or I'm doing something wrong. Or you don't know if it's the right thing. Is there particular moments that you have more mum guilt than others? leaving him even though you should be able to leave your child whether it's like an hour or two mm. now for example I think it's getting easier as time goes on more reliable on other people rather than just me I think that's 
Do you think Probably. that's where a lot of your guilt came from? Because you know that he was like very reliant on you. As you're still so. breastfeeding. Yeah, I'm still fully breastfeeding and he's not taking a bottle at the moment, which yeah. makes it really hard yeah. as well. So I think that. But then on top of it, breastfeeding as well. Are you doing the right thing? Like when he comes up with a reaction with something, you're like, it's because of my milk. I've eaten something. Everything's just guilt. So many things that I haven't considered before. And then I'm like, am I the only one that's feeling this? But then you message other mums and you're like, no, they're all going through it. (laughs) All right. So I guess we start at the beginning. Start from when you found (laughs) out. Not that far back. I'm not sure if Matt will appreciate that. Um, From when you found out you were pregnant, how was your first trimester? Uh, First trimester, I was definitely pretty sick. It, It pretty much hit smack bang week six mm-hmm. first day of week six I started feeling sick and then throughout that week it just started getting worse I was vomiting pretty much breakfast lunch and dinner I went completely vegetarian during my first trimester and you were on leave at the time from work yes. you're on annual leave I had two weeks which was like a blessing mm, wasn't it because you were I really thought, unwell I couldn't imagine working you and um, Tegan actually even dropped into my house do you remember I have the yeah. video on my phone do maybe you- we'll post it on, on the story we dropped you off a present. Why? Was it my birthday? Was it your birthday? No, it wasn't my birthday. I just have a picture of you waving from your balcony and your hair's <laughs> in like a messy top knot and you're just like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, um, that time off work, I, I couldn't imagine going to work feeling like how I was. But then I did after that. So the yeah. night shifts got me good. You feel worse after the night shifts. But then I pretty much got better as soon as, as, soon as I hit my 16-week mark. I think every day was a little bit different. Like you'd wake up being like, this is the shittest day ever. And I think my first trimester really hit me mentally because you don't know when it's going to end. I didn't think that was going to really happen as much as it did. My mental state of not knowing when it was going to end, how bad it was going to get, was it going to get even worse? And, And I think a lot of women struggle with this too. I think one of the biggest decisions I had in my first trimester actually even st- before like it was before I was planning to have a baby yeah you thought about this yeah I was constantly thinking whether I wanted to go at the hospital that I was working at mm. or whether I wanted to go private you even had discussions with oh, us about I had that so many discussions because I was so back and forth about it because do you let your friends and colleagues deliver your baby or well, do that, you- <laughs> like I really wanted you guys there and I wanted the people I knew in the room mm. but then on the back of my mind was I can't guarantee that you guys would be on shift and also what happens if someone came into the room that I wasn't comfortable with yeah. or I wasn't 100% comfortable with like opening my whole soul up to them. Yeah. What, how would have I reacted and would have I felt safe still? And you also have a health condition as well. Yes. So I also have had a cardiac ablation before um, for SVT where your heart rate goes really quick and in, in a different rhythm. Um, so I was kind of up in arms about whether I should go private because of that because I really didn't want to go into a public system at the start and then be shipped out to a different yeah. higher tertiary hospital. I think that's the hard thing about having a baby as well is that you don't know how your body's going to yeah. react in pregnancy and yeah. being a midwife you preempted all the different scenarios to happen. And thinking especially as a midwife you I think it took me a while to really think that I was actually pregnant. I think once I got to like that 19, 20 week mark where you have your morphology scan, it actually kind of sinks in that you're actually going to have a baby because mm. you see the worst of the worst. Mm. So for the first for first trimester, really, even into the second trimester, you just think like something's going to happen. 
I can't even like really is, like hook onto this baby because mm, I know, and I which know is really I'm, sad, and it is really sad. But I know a lot of but people I get it. are the same. Yeah. yeah, I think you just think the worst is going to happen. You yeah. know the scenarios, you know the possibilities. That's just like a defense mechanism yeah, that you have in your mind, really so that you know that. I know, like, yeah. I'm aware that this can happen. I know that I could be part of that statistic. Yeah. And I think to even the dating scan, my partner was like, so what even is this scan? I'm like, oh, well, it's even to see if the baby's even still there still, if it even yeah. has a heartbeat kind of thing. Yeah. And then even the next scan, it's like, well, yeah, we're going in for a scan to check its limbs and everything, but it might not still have a heartbeat. So yeah. I think you're constantly kind of thinking the worst and as one well. step ahead in yeah. a way as well. Yeah, and it is a defense mechanism. And it's kind of sad in a way. But it got exciting past the 21-week mark, I think. (laughs) So how did you decide your model of care and who you birthed through? So going back and forth for, like, months, I (laughs) spoke to my mum about it as well and I spoke to you guys about it at Mm. work. Um, And I think I just came to the conclusion that I didn't want to birth in the hospital that I worked at, mainly for confidentiality and privacy as yeah. well. Like, yes, I'm saying my birth story on a podcast, but I am a very fairly private person with what I want to tell people. Yes. And if things went not the way I wanted them to, I wanted to be able to control that. Yeah. I wanted to be able to have my own privacy postnatally and not have people coming into the room like left, right and center, mm. because I know that does, I'm like, when people give birth at work and we know them, like we walk into the room, we're like, hey, like I just wanted to say congratulations. And it comes from a place of oh, love and from yeah. like a beautiful spot. Yeah. But I can, I can empathize yeah. with that. I think I very and much And another big one was I wanted my partner, Matt, to also have some type of control of it as well and not mm. be pushed to the side. Mm. I know that I think if we were in a room together and I was giving birth, yeah, that's a really You kind of, you point. already know what I know and you know what I am as like, as a person and at mm. work. And I think Matt might've been overlooked a little bit, yeah, whereas okay. yeah. I wanted him to be like completely involved in the whole process. And I guess, and they don't know me at the hospital that yeah, I'm working at. I was about at. to say that. And it's I can not even tell, yeah, I can yeah. not even tell them that I'm a midwife, which I think they knew pretty much all. <laughs> <laughs> I chose my obstetrician because he was our boss. So a little bit of a safe zone still, yeah, which yeah. is nice. I knew him. I knew how he worked. I respected his decisions that he'd made in the past with our women. I always respected how he went about situations, certain cases, and I've completely, I completely trust him really. Yeah. And I think that was my number one thing. I just needed to trust someone, feel safe with them and feel respected by them as well. And I think that respect goes both ways too he equally respected you as a practitioner as and he did everything in his power to Mm. give me the birth that I wanted yeah yeah I think that's one thing that midwives have on their side when they go through this process is knowing knowing your care provider whether it is a doctor that you've worked with even if it's like you know five years ago when you've seen Healthcare providers in certain emergency situations, it's a whole different level of yeah, you respect know how they and understanding. And, yeah, mm. yeah. You've seen them in their worst, yeah, I guess. Yeah. This is the worst scenario ever. How do they handle that yeah, stress? Yeah. It's insight that other women don't have. Yeah. Some, and I know, think especially difference. going through a private obstetrician and being a midwife in a continuity model, I think I was also worried about the judgment, judgment yeah. from other midwives. Mm. And I definitely got judgment from really? certain people in our hospital. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, 
why would you go through that model? Or I had comments about the private systems nurseries and how they're not as good as the public systems. And I think... I did not know this. Yeah, I just had to like shove those comments aside because at the end of the day, I made that decision for me. That's a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure. I went back and forth for ages. Yeah. And I also had my mom saying like, you need a private obstetrician. Because your mom went private. Yeah, my mom had all four babies private. Um, And I think... It's hard when you're a midwife and you're taught to just, yeah, Mm -hmm. like trust your body, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a normal delivery. But in the back of my head, I was like, what if I don't? If I end up with like a forceps and episiotomy, an emergency Caesar, like I need to know that the person doing it is someone that I 100% trust and that I respect that they're making that decision with me as well. Yeah. But it wasn't going to be something that I'd have to fight for. So you chose... Our boss, as yeah, your I won't say names. No, no, no. We can't do that. But anyone who knows he us knows, knows who, who that is. is. <laughs> um, how did you find your antenatal period, going to your visits, and having someone else palpate your tummy and listen to your baby's heartbeat? And... Well, it was different for us. Like, so when we do it in clinics, we just listen with a Doppler, yes. whereas he has like the full shebang, like the little ultrasound machine and everything with the TV up in front of you. Oh, wow. Yeah. So mm, it was always, fancy. it was nice to like see the baby, like every single time I went, but he was always just like, do you have any questions today? I'm like, nah, I'm sweet. But then on the side, like if ever I needed anything, I knew I could text him as well. Mm. Um, and get advice or anything or like you run into them at work and you're like oh hey like by the way corridor <laughs> corridor conversation <laughs> which actually that's how I just I didn't even tell him I was pregnant I booked in like through the normal way like I called up his rooms booked in made an appointment for my first one and then it was after one of our weekly meetings I like went outside and I was like did you know I'm coming to see you and he was like yeah yeah congratulations I was like and okay he so maintained and that's yeah, the whole point yeah that, that was the first kind of moment that you probably were reassured that there was trust there because he hadn't come up to you and said, I know you're pregnant and you're coming to see me. That's really nice. It was like full confidentiality, everything, yeah. Yeah. And I think that from the start, I knew I was going to be well supported as well. And from the start, he was like, how do you want to do this? What, what do you want out of this? So they were conversations you had yeah, early on? Yeah, um, Like, okay. are you going to do antenatal classes? Mm-hmm. Have you booked into the hospital to the, to the antenatal classes? Like, he knew that I know the avenues, mm-hmm. but he still did everything the same. He included my partner in a lot of it, which Great. I really liked as well. Like, he said in one of our first appointments, you know, we're going to be talking a lot of shop. So can I know <laughs> what we're talking about here? If you have any questions, like, you just need to ask away. This obstetrician that that we're talking about that Sophie went through is very um chilled chilled yeah he talks in a way that's very conversational and like he would have actually those would have been his words we're talking shop (laughs) (laughs) so did you do birth classes and how did you choose them I did I was always going to do birth classes because I wanted Matt to feel just as involved as I was and I wanted to be able to completely just be in the zone in labor and not have to worry about if he was okay or if he knew what was happening or if things weren't going to plan, he knew what I wanted. Um, So I actually booked into a hypnobirthing class with one of the other midwives at work that was pregnant, pretty similar gestation to me. We actually did them out of her house, which was really nice. It was like nice summer days. 
So we actually found a birth coach that runs hypnobirthing classes. Her name's Tina Pullen and on Instagram, she's the dot birth dot collective. So I knew that I wanted a class that wasn't just going to go through the basics because mm. I already knew the basics. Yes. I wanted something that I was actually going to be something I didn't know. Mm. And it was really helpful with like the breathing techniques. I didn't know that you had to like learn how to breathe. Mm. The meditation tracks. So we got meditation tracks that you meant to start as early as possible. And you do them every single night before you go to bed. And you meant to do them with your partner as well. And I was like, every single night, do you want to like listen to our hypnobirthing <laughs> tracks? Let's go to bed. We'll <laughs> and he was like, oh, <laughs> you do it tonight. And like, we'll do it later. He actually, he hated them. He couldn't like listen to the person's Relax. voice. Yeah. yeah. He was constantly quite concentrating on them yeah. rather than trying to like envision like waves and everything and everything I think that's like that. quite common for men yeah yeah where it really helped me antenatally because I've previously done meditation and everything as well but it gave me a time throughout my pregnancy even if it was just once a day to just chill out connect with my baby so did you find hypnobirthing helpful in your actual labor <laughs> I wish I could say antenatally I, we can say antenatally that it was great, was amazing. Did you use um, the principles? I used the breathing techniques 100% and I tried using <laughs> the meditation tracks but I told my partner to just turn it off within like 10 minutes and I just went on to listening to my like my playlist, labor playlist that I made. So you made a labor playlist? Yeah, I made a what, labor what playlist. What featured? Oh, it was like really what vibe chilled. Was it? All real chill. I had I've got River by Leon Bridges. Oh, love Lost him. in the Light by Oh, love that, that song. Really good. Skinny Love. The Night We Met by Lord Huron. Horan? Horan? That one's really good. You should listen. There's like, I had heaps, but then every now and then I'd be like, skip, like yep. turn it off, go to the next song. And he'd be like, oh, oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I tried doing the meditation during labor and I just... I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I just, okay. I needed something more. Did you experience anything antenatally that surprised you? I definitely went through a little stage. I think I was about 25, 26 weeks pregnant where I was actually off work at the time. I was off for a month over like New Year's period. Um, you got like six weeks off. <laughs> yeah, I did. So, it was so amazing. <laughs> And I'm not sure if it was because I wasn't in my normal routine of like going to work. I had stuff to do. Mm. I wasn't like seeing like people that I worked with every single day. I was alone a lot because my partner was at work mm. um, and my family was in Queensland that I had a lot of time to think. Mm. Um, but I definitely, I remember sitting down the beach one day. I was just, I was so down. I was so sad. And it had been like that for about four days, five days. And I remember starting to think to myself like, why am I starting to feel I was worried that it was going into like antenatal depression or something yeah like yeah. a little spiral and I remember just sitting down on the beach crying and I called my mom and I actually had this guy sitting next to me on the bench <laughs> and I remember thinking like I, I hope he doesn't hear me because um, <laughs> I'm about to be <laughs> I was literally just on the phone to my mom sobbing and she was saying like what's wrong what's wrong and I said I don't know like I just I feel really down I can't feel happy. I wake up feeling like this. I'd literally just woken up that morning and just started crying straight away. And she said, like, it's it's normal. It's your hormones. They're fluctuating. And that made me feel a lot better, like mm. a lot more normal and that it was okay. And then I went home and I actually, 
I think I actually texted my partner when I was down the beach just saying, like, I don't feel like myself. I feel a bit down. And I think once I started talking about it a little bit more, it got better. Mm-hmm. And it only lasted, I think, about two weeks. Did you do anything? I did a lot to... of meditation. Yeah. I did a lot of, like, I went and got massages when I needed yeah. to. Sat out massage. Yeah, just, like, self-care kind of things for me. Was we... Matt supportive during that? Yeah, time? really supportive. He I can was... imagine him being like, come on, we're going to do this. He <laughs> was so supportive throughout my whole pregnancy. Like, when I went completely vego, he was making me vegetarian meals every single night. Mm. He was, like, trying to get me out for walks trying to keep me like upbeat and everything because like he knew it was hard for me not having family and stuff around yeah. as well so yeah that lasted about two weeks and then I started feeling a little bit better again but it was nice coming from my mum that it was normal yeah and she was like yeah like it's fine I had this you're just going through a little bit of a stage it's probably all your hormones just chatting to me and making me feel okay about it when did you go on maternity leave had I left yeah had I left had you left yeah, you'd left. Yeah. You left like a couple of weeks before I went on maternity yeah. leave. Yeah. So actually, I'll just go back a little bit throughout my pregnancy. Mm. Um, I had a third trimester ultrasound. Yeah. Why did you have that? So <laughs> it's not very midwife of me, is it, to have a third trimester ultrasound? It's okay. There's no judgment but we had, here. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a conversation with my obstetrician about just finding random things in the third trimester and we've had quite a lot of cases over the last few years where women have just had a random third trimester ultrasound and it's found something oh i can actually pinpoint we had something happen with us now that makes sense to me okay so we had a conversation about it and he was just like yes sweet so you asked for it I think it was just already a thing that we knew we were going to do. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... And I say we as in, like, obstetrician. Yeah, and yeah. so he, it is quite common yeah. in the private model that you would yeah. be offered a third trimester yeah. scan. And in the public, not so much, unless it's clinically indicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think we'd even previously spoken about it in a meeting weeks prior where a case came up and I had even said out loud, yeah. I would personally get a third trimester ultrasound. So I think even, like, looking at each other, we were like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm going to have one. Um, park that the back of the, park the back, back of his mind is like right, noted. <laughs> jot that down <laughs> so yeah I got a third trimester ultrasound at 32 weeks just completely oh, ready 32. 32 yeah mm. so it was a little bit earlier than I thought but I was like whatever and um it all went fine what I thought was fine and then it got to about 9 30 that night and I was cleaning my teeth about to get into bed and I see my obstetrician's name come up on my mobile and straight away I was like something's not right Mm. um and he just said that the baby was found to have bowel loops which the only case I have ever worked with where a baby had bowel loops the baby ended up having to get transferred to another hospital and have surgery and everything and a stoma bag so obviously I was freaking out a little bit um do you want to explain what bowel loops are so it's where you if you can picture your little bowels where it's very long and it's not meant to have any kind of any actual loop in it. It's not meant to coil. Yeah, not meant to coil. Um, And my baby, it looked on the ultrasound like it had multiple loops in it. And sometimes that can lead to obstruction of the bowel where they actually can't go to the toilet. So then that's where they have to have surgery sometimes to recorrect it. So obviously you just think of the worst case scenario. Um, so the plan was obviously, again, he's very chilled. He's like, it's fine. We'll just check on it in a fortnight. So in that fortnight, I was legit researching like everything under the sun. I was reading like every article and statistic on bowel loops. 
and I went for another scan at 34 weeks and spoke to a specialist at the ultrasound place and the bowel loop was still there and it had increased a little bit, but she wasn't worried because she could see some meconium further down past the bowel loop. Mm. So she said that it doesn't look like an obstruction. It looks like there's fecal matter getting through. Mm. So we'll do another ultrasound in about four weeks time, but I feel like everything's fine. So that was really reassuring to me. You know, they specialize in this every single day. It's like, I don't actually know much about this. Um, So then that was the plan. Get another ultrasound at 38 weeks. Mm -hmm. I finished work at 35 and a half weeks Mm -hmm. and then went straight into my 30th birthday that weekend. (laughs) (laughs) How did you celebrate? Uh, A barbecue. Cute. (laughs) (laughs) With some uh, water. (laughs) Had a lemonade. We had sparkling. And then had my baby shower the week after, which it's really overwhelming day, baby showers. Yeah, it's it's a really long day. And I think I got home that day and I was a mess. Like I was bawling my eyes out. Yeah, I was so tired. I just wanted to go to sleep. I couldn't sleep because like my hips and back and everything were hurting so much at that point. My ankles looked like they little fat sausages. (laughs) I even have a photo of like my socks indenting into my ankles. (laughs) Um, so yeah, went on mat leave, absolutely loved it. My mum was down from Queensland for my whole maternity leave, which was really nice. I pretty much sat on a, um, gym ball while she cleaned my entire kitchen, laundry, reorganized everything, labeled everything. I sat on my gym ball pretty much from like 34 weeks. Mm -hmm. Didn't sit on the couch. Out of comfort? Comfort and... That's what you learn in hypnobirthing as okay. well. You don't sit on the couch. You don't want a posterior baby. Yeah. yeah. So pretty much whenever I watch TV, whenever I had to sit down, I'd be on the gym ball. So how were your last couple of weeks of pregnancy? They, I think I had a pretty easy pregnancy really. So I can't complain about much. I, the only thing I wasn't sleeping. I was waking up sometimes like six, seven times a night just to get up and stretch. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even sleeping in our bed anymore. I think oh. from like halfway through my pregnancy, I was sleeping in the spare room because of how much I was waking up. I'd always start in our bed mm-hmm. and then within like an hour or two, I'd just go and be into the spare room. Yeah. yeah. Because there's no point both, both of us being absolutely exhausted. And I was moving around that much. so. And your last couple of anti- antenatal appointments? So I went in at 37 weeks. Actually, I went in at 36 weeks for my GBS swab, which I was umming and ahhing whether I like wanted to do it because I didn't know whether I wanted to have the antibiotics. But I ended up doing it and then it came back positive and I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. But then also you probably were like, Good. Yeah, at least I knew then. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And like immediate, he's like, okay, so like, you know the drill, like antibiotics in labor. And in my head, I was like, yeah, maybe. (laughs) So for those listening that don't know what GBS is, GBS stands for group B strep. Uh, And basically it's a transient bacteria that's found in women's vaginas. It's not an STI. It has no implication on us. You would have no idea that you have it. And transient means it comes and goes on its own accord. So it's often screened for at around 36 weeks gestation. And that's for the purpose of offering antibiotics in a woman's labor. As the baby passes through the birth canal, they can ingest some of this bacteria. It gets in their lungs and they can get quite sick after birth. I think at the end of the day, I just thought I will never forgive myself if, if anything you're that happened. Statistic. Yeah, if I was that statistic to 
with the tits of tits. Tits of tits, hey. You're doing me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two beers. <laughs> I've only had one. So yeah, 36 weeks, did my swab, and then 37-week appointment, I went in and I had a very high blood pressure. So, which was completely Random. out of the... Yeah. You weren't symptomatic at all? Oh, uh, Just I was swollen? Feeling, yeah, I was swollen, which yeah. I'd was since my baby shower yeah. pretty much um, which can be normal well, it's hard very normal because mm. you're on your feet all day yeah. and you're like towards the end of your pregnancy so i went in at 37 weeks had a really high blood pressure which for me is completely abnormal i sit really low like <laughs> below normal yeah. if anything um and i was feeling a little bit off and my obstetrician even said to me, like, what's up with you today? Like, you're not yourself. Mm. And that's when I was like, yeah, actually, now that you've said it, like, I had a little vomit this morning and I thought maybe it's just because my stomach's running out of room and everything. But I just feel off. Mm. I couldn't even describe it to him. And mm. I hate it when people say in the clinic, yeah. like, I just feel off. And you're like, well, can you tell me, like, what's wrong? But also when women say they feel off, yeah. that is, like, alarm bells. Yeah. Times so, a thousand. Yeah. From then, he was just like, okay, like, get some bloods. Redid my blood pressure. It was still high. Mm-hmm. Went and got bloods and urine done. And the plan was to go back in 48 hours and see him again. Mm-hmm. So I went and did all the bloods and the urine. And then the next day, actually, being a midwife, you know the signs and symptoms of preeclampsia. Yeah. And he re- reiterated, if you have like your headaches, blurred vision, spots in your eyes, decreased movements, come, you know, obviously yeah. call the hospital. And that night when I got home, I actually had a really bad headache. And I was like, oh, look, I'll just take some Panadol. It'll be gone in the morning. <laughs> minimize. Yeah, minimize. <laughs> and I woke up in the morning. It was still there. It was cracking. Um, and I did have decreased movements, I think, as well that day. So called the hospital, went up and had monitoring. And CTG and everything was fine. And I still had a high blood pressure, though. So plan was to go back the day after. I was pretty much on daily monitoring from really? my obstetrician. Yeah. Um, he wanted to see me in his rooms either every 24 hours or 48 hours. Were your bloods normal? They were increasing. Okay. So I had multiple bloods done 48 hours apart mm-hmm. and they were increasing each time. And was your urine normal? No. My urine was increasing as well. Okay. So we look for a certain level. level. Um, and it was still at a level that I didn't have to be induced. Yeah. Um, but he, Yeah. He pretty much was saying to me, look, I know your plan. You mm-hmm. don't want an induction. You want to spontaneously labor. Let's try to get you into labor. But kind of giving me the sense as well that like this is coming to an end and I needed to start either getting coming into labor or I was going to have to be starting to get into that. Yeah. 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 So I had a sweep and stretch and I was already two centimeters dilated. This was um, at 37 weeks. Wow. Yeah. For a prime if I was like, go me. <laughs> <laughs> Snaps to you. <laughs> and the plan again. Hang on. I have to stop you. Yeah. Was that awkward? Having a sweep oh. by someone that you work with? Actually, no. Okay. I thought it would, would be, mm. but no, nah, it was just like, you want to sweep? Yeah, I do actually. Like, let's try to get into labor. Mm. No, nah, it was like easy, done, finished mm. in like a couple of seconds. I feel like I'd be that awkward. I think you'd... I was like, oh, I don't You've already gone vagina. through your whole pregnancy. Although I, oh, I was in the shower, like 
the day before any appointment, I was like preempting, like shaving everything. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so funny because we say this as midwives, two women we care for. We don't care. We're not looking. I can't remember what your vagina looks like, but honestly, like when it's you, I totally get it because I'm like cringing for you as you're saying. I was even like, I need to go for a wax at like 36 weeks, but I could not bring myself to go for a wax. So like every couple of days, I was just like shaving, like getting it like real maintained. (laughs) keep going sorry keep going um so yeah had a sweep and stretch i was two centimeters and the plan was to have a full bp profile at the hospital where you're getting ctg bloods um and another blood pressure check in 48 hours Mm -hmm. so that was to be done on the saturday Mm -hmm. went in on saturday my blood pressure was semi-normal again but my bloods were still increasing so they were becoming deranged but not to the point where he wanted to needed to do something you. like no no yeah. or to the point where I like needed to have the baby out yeah quickly okay um so then I went in back on the Monday for another appointment which like just to say if you're going through a private obstetrician you're not usually having appointments like every no, 24 48 hours yeah. like usually they just get the baby out I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he knew I really didn't want to be induced and I knew this was him trying to stick to my birth plan but also making sure that you're as safe as you could be yeah yeah so that was on the saturday i had all that i went in on the monday for another check and my blood pressure was really high again and my reflexes as well weren't normal um so what's the highest blood pressure you had 145 190 95 i think i never really went Higher than that. I'm just asking you because you weren't medicated. Yeah, not too, yeah. And I usually sit about the 90 on 50, 100 on 50 kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, the Monday blood pressure was high again. My reflexes were abnormal. And the plan was for bloods, urine, and another sweep. Mm -hmm. So this is where things all kind of like kick off. Yeah, really kicked off. I had another sweep on the Monday and I was three to four centimeters. So that had done something over the weekend. Did you have any cramps? No, not really. Really? No, no real niggles. I'd had an induction massage as well on the weekend to try to like get things going. And I was walking, I was doing the raspberry leaf tea tincture actually. I was doing the raspberry leaf tincture. I was I didn't do the dates because I just couldn't be bothered. Did you do any acupuncture? I didn't. I did um, acupressure. Yeah. That was in the induction mess as well. And I was seeing them at least once a week from 37 weeks. Okay. Actually, no, I had multiple induction massages. I must have gone more frequently than that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I had another sweep. I was three to four centimeters. And from the time I had the sweep to getting out to the front desk, I started contracting. And I remember he walked past me because he had to go quickly to the hospital and he like tapped me on the shoulder and he was like, yeah, you good. And I was like leaning over the desk, like, oh, this is starting to kick off. I drove back to my mum's house. And by the time I got out of the car, I was like leaning over. I'd had a um, form in my hand to go get some bloods and urine done. (laughs) Yeah, which I got my mum to drive me to the pathology. We actually went to the wrong pathology. We went to the COVID place where you get the COVID swabs. Mum was like, yeah, this is Laverty. Like I went here the other day because I had to get a swab. So I walked in there. I was like kneeling over. I was contracting about every four minutes. Wow. Yeah. And when he said like, this is a COVID swab place, like this isn't a pathology. I was like, fuck this. (laughs) (laughs) Take me home. What the fuck? 
Uh, oh, so then we went to the hospital to get my bloods done and my mum couldn't park my car. So I said, I was like, mum, get out of the car. I'll park it. Went in, had my bloods, everything. <laughs> oh, it was not a good day. I got home. I was contracting about every two to three minutes. Got in the bath. I had a massive vomit and I was like, things were on. Yeah. Called my partner home from work. And this probably went on for about three hours, four mm. hours. And then they started backing off again. So okay. they went back to about every 10, 15 minutes. Did again. that fuck with like, your mind? Yeah, it did because Sad. I was really like, this is happening. And as a midwife, you're looking for all the signs. Yeah. The vomit, I was like, mm. things are definitely happening. My mum and dad had left because they were like, well, won't you like your own environment and everything? My partner was there. I was in the bath. Everything was quiet. And then things just fizzled out. So I was like, what is going on? So I slept on the couch that night with a TENS machine on. My mm. TENS was like God saving grace. Mm. And I contracted all night about every 10 minutes. So I would wake up, hit my boost button, drift back off to sleep in between, wake back up. Yeah. And then my partner came out to the, the couch at like 6am. He was like, you still, you still good? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still good. <laughs> I've had a really good night's sleep. Yeah, but you good? <laughs> shit, but, but I wanted him to go to sleep. Yeah. Cause, cause I he needs to be yeah, your support. He needs to yeah. be able to help me out. So, so he didn't go to work that day. No. So I brought him home on the Monday from work and then he didn't go to work on the Tuesday. I'd had an appointment booked with my obstetrician to go back in if I didn't labor okay. with the sleep. Did you tell anyone you were pre-laboring? No, just my parents. Yeah. Did I tell you? No. No? I think I told one midwife from work. So yeah, went back in on the Tuesday. My blood pressure was still obviously really high. I was fucking exhausted. Mm. And this is when like, I know when women are in pre-labor and they come in and they're like, I'm so tired. I really you knew. felt that. Yeah, I really felt it. And I was in my head, I knew at that point that I was going to have to be induced because mm. I'd had multiple sweeps. My blood pressure was still high. Okay. Why was I just fizzling? So we had a really good discussion with the obstetrician. Plan was to come back in the next this, morning. This was in your previous visit on the Monday? This is, no, this, so this is, was this yeah, went on on the Monday, had a sweep, went back in on the Tuesday yeah. for another blood pressure check, a conversation. I didn't want another sweep because mm -hmm. I was like, I've already had two. I'm exhausted. If I didn't labor off that, I just want to try to get a good night's sleep tonight. I took some Panadine Fort, which I had at home, and that actually really helped me. I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> had a semi-decent sleep the Tuesday night and then went in Wednesday morning for an induction, which really... How does it feel being on the other side yeah, of that? Yeah, I think... And your birth expectations. Yeah, so I really... I was open to things for my birth, mm. but... My main things was I really didn't want a forceps or vacuum. I really didn't want an episiotomy. And why? I was really worried about my pelvic floor, forceps and vacuums. Um, I knew increased risk to baby. Yeah. And with epidural, I didn't want an epidural to cause a cascade of intervention. Yeah. And I've seen it so many times. Mm. And I know that there's places for an epidural and I was open to having one if I needed it. I just wanted to give it a rip-roaring red go if yeah. I could. Did you see a women's health physio antenatally? Yes. Yeah. So I was seeing a physio for my back and hips okay. because they were pretty sore throughout my antenatal Did they period. they assess your pelvic floor? Um, no, I didn't have it done antenatally, which okay. I did have uh, assessment done postnatally. Um, but yeah, I think I was also just really scared of her forceps. Just seeing 
look, you do have some nice forceps sometimes, mm. but like how regularly? Yeah. I think I didn't want to have that loss of control as yeah. well. Yeah. It's really hard, isn't it? It's because so hard. So many times that you like advocate for a woman. Yeah. To and go. you know it's out of your control. Mm. I knew it was out of my control, but if I knew in my head I could try to do everything as much as possible to avoid mm. those things then if they did happen, it was out of my control. Yeah. And it was meant to be that way. Yeah. And I was open to an epidural. I was open to having a Caesar if I needed it. If my baby was breech and wouldn't turn, I was open to an elective Caesar. So I wasn't like... And you'd had these conversations with your... Yeah, and he knew what I wanted. And my partner knew what I wanted as well. He was a good advocate that he knew I really didn't want to forceps. Mm. But I trusted the team that was looking after me to respect and have those conversations with me at the time. I just wanted to say as well, the night before going into labor, I really had like a session with myself, with my body of like letting go of my body. Mm. I think like I sat in the bath and I was like, I'm gonna cry this bit. (laughs) I think I was ready to like let go of the body that I had because I was so worried that I was gonna have a forceps or a third or fourth degree tear. And not be myself ever again. Mm. So, <laughs> for the record, Sophie doesn't cry ever. No. I don't think I, like I mean, we cried at work, but it's different. <laughs> I feel like we're at work now. Like, <laughs> I was yeah. actually going to ask you about body image because, like, just while we're kind of talking about that, I think a lot of fear for women is about not having control over their body. And yeah, your body had obviously changed so much in pregnancy alone, and then you were. The next day you're walking into a scenario where you completely don't have control anymore. And I think that was the thing. Like I knew I was going to labor the next day and I was lying in the bath just like thankful for the body I had, thankful that it had grown a healthy baby. But I was also like, I might never have this body again and I might be traumatized tomorrow and something bad might happen. And I think... I think that's just the one worry about an induction. Like, yeah. You know tomorrow is going to be the day. So so how did you do that? You were in the bath. You were I was in the bath. I had like candles going. It was like all dark. And my baby was, he was going like absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. I have it on video. Actually, I was just lying in the bath, like videoing him. And I think that was just like a message to myself as well. That like he was working with me. Like I was ready to like, I was ready to be induced really. Yeah. I couldn't keep going like I was going. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you're just kind of going through it in your mind? Yeah. Saying it out. Was, Were you saying anything out no, loud? No, I was just, just kind like, of like meditating with myself. Yeah. Just saying goodbye to like the body that I had, preparing that it might not be the same. But then also in myself, I was just trying to get ready for like anything that was going to happen the mm. next day, really. Mm. Um, and I don't even think I've told my partner that either. I think there's, there's some things that you just go through yeah. on your own as yeah. well. Yeah. I was actually ready though the next day. Like I walked in, I was happy. My obstetrician even said to me like, you're good. You're like, you're happy, you're ready. And I was like, yep, like let's get things going. You had your game face. Yeah. I I was there. I was ready to have a baby. How was Matt? Um, I think he was just nervous. Like, yeah, my partner is someone that doesn't show a lot of emotion on any given day, really. So even the midwife said to me at some point, like, is he good? And I was like, yeah, like, this, that, this is him. And this is, like, before we'd even started anything. Like, yeah. I think 
I went to the toilet. Actually, it was just after my water's broken. And I went to the toilet and she came in and she was like, is your partner good? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's fine. Like, he, he hardly ever talks anyway. So <laughs> unless he's had a few beers and then he's like nonstop. But yeah, went in, was all ready, had a cannula put in, had my water's broken. It was pretty simple. I didn't even know they were like broken. It was just like a normal VE, didn't even hurt. It was actually less painful than like the stretch and sweeps. And yeah, then they like brought me in breakfast. I was like, this is really nice. <laughs> I had recce. We were like chilling out, chatting. So they gave you time? Yeah. So usually after you have your waters broken, you then have the drip started. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but my obstetrician had said he would give me four to six hours, oh. which is like unheard of. Yeah, like that you is. don't have that much time to just yes. see if you Max start contracting, yeah. which I was still contracting 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, okay. So I was still like niggling, tightening, I would say. I mm-hmm. wouldn't even say they were contractions. Um, I was having tightening still, but they weren't anything regular. Had my waters broken, had breakfast, and within about... 30 to 40 minutes I was contracting like every five minutes so they were coming on nice pretty hard um I popped on my tens machine and put my ear pods in I think that's when like my partner knew like things were starting to get a little bit heated <laughs> I was like yeah I need something I was leaning over the bench for a fair while and every single time I got a contraction I was just like yeah you've got this listen to your music and in my head I just kept saying like it's 60 seconds just count it down you get through this and then you're going to have a breather. I was going to say to you, how does it feel being on the other side of labor when you've coached so many women through particularly a non-medicated labor? Like describe to me like I always, how you experienced a contraction. Were you like, this is definitely it or I think this is it? Mine never started off as like a light period pain. Mm. It was kind of straight away as soon as I started getting them like the five minute lee, each one kind of took my breath away mm. to the point where I couldn't sit down. I couldn't bounce on the ball. I was standing up, leaning over the bench and even like I was up on my tippy toes. I think I was like hitting the bench as well a little bit. And I knew like my midwife was behind me, which I just want to say I'd previously met this midwife the week earlier when I went in and had my monitoring. So that was really nice because as soon as I saw her, when I walked in in the morning, I was like, Hey, like, this is great. This is going to be like so much fun today. (laughs) And I had a student midwife as well. So it was like a really fun environment in there. Like we were chatting back and forth. And like, as soon as I'd come out of contraction, I'd like take my earpod out and be like, Woo, like. Yep, they're getting intense. (laughs) That was a doozy. Yeah, we'd all like laugh and stuff. So that was nice. That's great. Yeah. And she just said to me, like, let me know when you want the bath run. Because I'd said I wanted the room with the big bath. I wanted to try to labor in the bath as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Because apparently it takes like half an hour to run their big bath. They've got like a massive, yeah, one of the big circular white ones. Mm -hmm. And I think I started out in the delivery room for about half an hour, 40 minutes maybe now timing's very off yeah and I even had to ask my partner about this because I had no sense of time (laughs) I got in the bath and I took my tens machine off the tens machine got me through for like a good hour so highly recommend oh that if you're gonna do anything hire a tens machine yeah I think that's the only thing I can really say Mm -hmm. like tens 100 percent I think it's good too because you control the tent. Yes, you push the little boost button yeah. and then if you need like a little bit more, you just like up the ante. Whereas every other form of 
pain relief, whether it's natural methods or not, you don't really control yeah. it. Like if someone's massaging your back, you can't yeah. say more. Like yeah. it's you can't control the pressure. Yeah. Whereas doing, you can whereas go, tens, I need a little like, bit more, and you can up it. Keep going. Yeah. So I hopped in the bath, and that's where things <laughs> went really. <laughs> Hey, well, <laughs> really, I'd like to say that I tried to hypnobirth, but I pretty much as soon as I got in the bath, I was just like, turn this off. I need my music. I was biting on a towel. I was leaning over the side of the bed, uh, over the side of the bath. I was getting like really vocal. It was just like all coming out that real like. I was like a cow. But, like, I was really So vocal. you remember that? I remember being vocal. Mm. And I remember in my head being like, stop it. Like, try to breathe. Breathe as much as possible. Mm. But I couldn't. It was just taking over. Mm. And I knew my partner was sitting behind me. And he wasn't saying anything. Probably because I wasn't saying anything to him. But after one contraction, I opened my eyes. And the midwife was in front of me. And she said to me, I heard you at the desk. So that's when I was like, I'm so loud. (laughs) But I also couldn't stop. Um, And she was like, do you need anything? And in my head, I was thinking, I really need pain relief. Mm -hmm. What do I want? She said, do you want the gas? And I was just like, no, no, like I don't want anything. But then in the next sentence, I'd say, I need something, like give me something. And I think it was just really hard for my partner in the midwife because they knew I wanted something, but I wasn't saying mm. what I wanted which you've been on the other side oh, of that where a yeah. woman's asked for pain relief and they've said I want this and then the contraction goes and they said no I don't want that yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah. it was like she'd be offering me gas she'd say do you want the epidural no no I don't want it but then I did want it oh I was just I knew I could get through if I was getting close yeah but you just needed to know yeah I just needed to know and I definitely there was a couple of contractions when I was in the bath leaning over and I was screaming into the towel that I could feel myself pushing and bearing down and when I opened my eyes the midwife was like are you pushing Uh, I was like yeah I think I am she's like okay well let's get you out of the bath let's kind of see what's happening I'll call the obstetrician she called him and she's like he's 10 minutes away Mm -hmm. and I was like I cannot wait 10 minutes like you need to check me now Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she's like you're happy if I check you yeah um, examined me and I had an interior lip. So this was from, yeah, what's the time I started frame? contracting at about eight to eight thirty mm-hmm. in the morning and I was fully dilated at 11. Wow. Yeah. That is true. That was, it Heart just, attention. it went really fast and like, intense. did you feel like, yeah, I was going to say, did you feel like it was really intense? I feel like it went really intense within about 10 minutes. Okay. And I definitely feel that's when I just started involuntary pushing. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like he must have just dropped into my birth canal Mm. like really fast, Mm -hmm. like hit that pelvic floor. And when I was involuntary pushing, I think in my head I knew I was getting close as well because Mm. I was telling myself like I am so fucking done. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I need something. And in my head I was like, I think I'm transitional. Okay, so you did try and rationalize with yourself. Even in my head I remember thinking to myself, I I must be transitional. But then you doubt yourself because you're like, I've only been laboring for two to three hours. Like I'm a primate. That doesn't this happen. better not be. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but you knew that you were already three to four prior yeah, to this process, yeah. so, so at least you're not like I'm pushing. It on just a... puts doubt in your mind, really. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, got out of the bath. I had an interior lip. I was leaning over the side of the bed, just yelling into the pillow. Whenever I got a contraction, I was trying to like 
sit on the bed but then get up I was just all over the shop and I I must I felt so sorry for my partner because how is he he was just very quiet just taking kind of the lead from the midwife she kept like she did say to me again like do you want something but I knew I was already like into your lip so I kept saying yes but then no yeah and then my obstetrician got there and I remember I was leaning over the side of the bed I had a contraction and I was involuntary pushing again and I just couldn't stop it. Like I was bearing down as much as I possibly could. Really. And that was just, it's an actual instinctive, it was just like you instinctive. can't control it. No, because I knew. Is it the weirdest feeling? It's so weird because I knew there was something there that I had to push out. But in my head, I was like, I'm an interior lip. I shouldn't be pushing. And mm. I was trying not to, but like even in yourself, you just, you know, you're pushing. What's, what does that feel like? Like the most intense pressure you've ever felt like I can't even describe contractions they're just was it pain for you at this point oh yeah I was I felt like my whole bottom and everything was just gonna fall out explode yeah yeah it was just really bad pressure or did you kind of feel like this is a natural process it did because I didn't know how long it was gonna go for Mm. yeah so when I opened my eyes and my obstetrician was in front of me he was like you're pushing, check you again, checked me again, I was fully dilated. And that was within like 10 minutes. Wow. So then we started pushing and I started pushing standing. I tried literally every position, Yeah. standing, squatting, kneeling, leaning over the back of the bed. Everything was just hurting my hips and back. Was this your midwife that was guiding you through those positions or were you... I just instinctively got up on the bed and started kneeling, mm-hmm. I think, because that felt comfortable for me. I was kneeling over the back of the bed and I was just bearing down with each contraction. But then in between each contraction, I was in the most intense pain with my back and hips. Oh. I felt like my hips were going to break. And I kept saying, like, my hips, my hips, and my back. And the midwife was like, is something – have you had, like, previous issues with your back and hips? Because – you're meant to have like a little bit of a break in between contractions where you like get your breath back and everything. And I wasn't because of the intense pain that I was having. Massaging you or did you have your tens back on at this point? No. So my midwife was doing like counter pressure for my tailbone, which felt amazing. Like with her fists? With her thumbs. Thumbs. And then actually Matt took over with doing that. Um, And he says that was like so painful. I was going to say, yeah, they actually, because I think men too, they have a, they're naturally a bit more stronger, so they often apply more pressure, yeah. and that's what feels good for it women felt, as well. But it kills oh, their hips. It felt and amazing, and then whenever he'd stop, I'd be like, the, "The like, put your hands back on, like, keep doing it." <laughs> and I think he was probably thinking, "Like, fuck, not again. Like, this is killing." Me. <laughs> but I can't say but that I it hurts. can't stop. <laughs> so yeah, I was pushing in like every position possible, and then actually the only position where my hips weren't hurting as much was on my back wow go figure i know so you think to yourself like as a midwife don't push on your back because it's the one position that you're more likely to have like tears and everything but yeah i pushed for nearly an hour and a half Mm. which was not counting the time oh yeah he said he kept looking at the clock and being like this is taking ages like but to me, it felt about 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it went really fast in my head. That's good. And once 
we got to a certain point with pushing when he kind of came around that corner mm. um, and he was getting close to being crowding. My hip and back pain completely went, went away. Wow. And I was able to, in between, breathe, chat, laugh. We were all having conversations in between my contractions. Wow, that's nice. I kept saying to them, like, in between each one, I'm so scared of the ring of fire. I'm really scared. Like, I don't want the ring of fire. And they, they were all just like, like, be quiet. Like, just stop, <laughs> stop thinking about it. <laughs> You're making us nervous about like, it. And then, like, I'd have a contraction. It'd be all right. And then afterwards, I was like, the ring of fire is coming. Like, <laughs> I know it. <laughs> just, like, backtracking, like, slightly did you put a higher expectation on yourself to not have pain relief in labor because you're a midwife I think I just wanted to see if I could do it yeah without Mm. and I was really fearful of needing a forceps that was my biggest fear a forceps yeah and I knew that having an epidural would increase my chances of having a forceps but you declined gas as well. That's yeah. why I'm asking. I don't know why I declined yeah. gas. <laughs> Even throughout my pregnancy, I was like, I'd love to try gas. And I think I was just in that mindset of like, I need something. Give me something. Yeah. No, no, no. All right. So moving back to the ring of fire. What yeah, did so, it actually feel like? Oh, it. I think... It was wasn't most, as bad as what you it thought. It was bad. It was really bad. It was the worst stretching, pressure, feeling I've ever I could have ever imagined, really. Really. And I think it was even at that point that I asked my obstetrician to just get it out. Mm. And I said that multiple times, like, just get it out, get it out, get it out. And he obviously like You asked for an epiotomy too, didn't you? Oh, I think I even asked I think in my head, getting it out was a forceps or an episiotomy. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I really didn't want either of those things. But at that point in that much pain, you're just like, I need it out. I cannot even fathom having this pain for any much longer. Mm. Um, And I can't quote it because like I was off in like fairyland as well. And my partner even said like, I wasn't myself. Like Mm. I wasn't really there. Mm. But I think my obstetrician said something like, it wasn't your plan or like, you don't need it. You're doing fine. And I think at my ring of fire and past that, my obstetrician was like the voice in the room that was telling me like, you're fine. You're doing good. Your baby's fine. Cause I wasn't looking at the monitor at all, which I really thought I would, but it just didn't even yeah. come into my mind. And it was behind me as well. So I couldn't even see it, but he was, yeah, he was my voice that was like keeping me going. And my partner was next to me with a bottle of water and a sick bag because I was, like, trying to vomit in between Mm. each contraction as well. Um, But I think he was also just like, oh, my God, what's happening? So what happened after the ring of fire? Um, (laughs) Then, obviously, my baby was crowning and then the head came out and it was, like, the coolest room after that. Like, his head was out sitting there. We were all chatting the student wow. midwife was like taking photos. Yeah, we were all chatting. Like you were chatting. I was chatting, and there's even like a photo of me like smiling at the student midwife, and my baby's head is just sitting out. What? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Matt must have just been like, "What the fuck is going on in here?" But were you not like, "What the fuck?" Because that's that reaction and that way of being is so similar to someone who's got an epidural on board and doesn't have any pain 
Like you had no pain. I had yet. You were just. I had no pain in that point. Once his head was out, I was chilled. Wow. I was just like, oh yeah, like this is okay. Kind of. I want to see it. Yeah, I'm about to show you. Wow. There's like one of. Oh yeah, that's. Oh, oh yeah. I had a mirror in front of me as well, which mm. I didn't. Was really... that helpful? It was very helpful. Yeah. So I think for the first oh, good hour of pushing. I kept saying in between contractions, am I even doing anything? I can't right. feel like I'm doing anything. And they were like, you're doing good, you're doing good, like keep going. But I didn't feel like much was happening. Mm. And as a midwife, like, you know, you've been pushing for an hour. Mm. There's no head on view. Mm. You can't see anything. You kind of start to like lose faith in yourself that you're even doing anything with mm. your pushes. Um, and my obstetrician said like, let's get the mirror in front of you. Maybe that'll help. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want it. He's like, let's just try it. And then as soon as I had the mirror there, it like... It changed your direction? I could actually see what I was doing. Yeah. And I could see when I needed to push that little bit harder. Yeah, and then I okay. would see the head a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Like so it was like motivation. Yeah, it was motivation. And I loved it, actually. I loved watching it. And then I knew when I was like about to be crowning. And then I knew when I was crowning. And I had my eyes open during contractions, watching the whole time as well. Even when I he was crowning? yeah <laughs> wow it was kind of like it was kind of cool to watch though yeah i don't think my partner loved having the mirror there because <laughs> he's a um hates needles hates it's blood anything like that yeah. yeah so i don't think that was the best thing for him um but like yeah where well, i'm just looking at photos <laughs> yeah matt's in the <laughs> so this photo that Sophie's just shown me, she's smiling with her hands on her belly and her baby's head is out. And Matt's just in the corner holding a sick bag and holding the water bottle. Looking Not down. in the corner, he's on the side of the bed looking down. <laughs> so that was That's amazing for him. Yeah. And then with the next contraction, he was being delivered and my obstetrician actually grabbed my hands oh, and like wrapped them around the baby to like help me deliver, which yeah. was really nice as well. So And you pulled him yeah, up on I your chest. Yeah, I pulled him up onto my chest and obviously like I was crying and everything. And then it wasn't until my obstetrician was like, so do you have a name? And then I was like, I don't even know what I had. Like, what did I have? And I was 100% convinced I was having a girl throughout most not. of my pregnancy. Mm. And then when I saw a little penis, I think I even said out loud, like, you're meant to have a vagina. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Which my partner actually knew what we were having the entire time. We just didn't tell any friends or family that he knew. We told mm. everyone that none of us knew. But he really wanted to find out. And I didn't want to stop him from yeah. knowing, really. And so, he's obviously very good at keeping a secret. Oh, he's a vault. You'll mm. never get anything out of him. Mm. So, yeah, he knew what we were having. I found out after I gave birth. And, yeah. Describe the feeling of meeting Hayes for the first time. They describe this. A lot of mothers say that you feel like this instant love and connection. And I think I was just a little bit too overwhelmed to feel much. Like... Mm. I definitely felt a love, but I also kind of was just like, yeah, I just gave birth. It happened really fast. That was really intense. Now I've got to deliver my placenta. <laughs> oh yeah, like I just had the the injection 
and then they were putting up the Sintocin on 40 units because ah. of my blood pressure. And I was kind of like, why are you putting that up? Like, I just was asking a lot of questions, really. <laughs> then I was like, did I tear? Like, do I need stitches? And I think it definitely wasn't until the next day where I even started feeling a connection. I think for that afternoon, like, obviously I loved him. Oh, of course, And yeah. you know that, like, they're your baby and you've just gone through everything for them. But the first night when I was lying in bed next to him, I was kind of just like, he's a baby. Like, it wasn't until the next morning where I actually woke up, I'd had a good night's sleep and I was feeding him that I was like, oh my God, like, you're mine. Mm. So yeah, the initial connection, I think, I don't know, I didn't have that like love bubble kind of Mm. thing. Yeah, I think I was just kind of in the process of what was happening. Like, now I need to have a shower. Where's all my clothes? Like, yeah, baby's going to get his injections. It's almost like you put your midwife hat back on. Yeah, I think I did. Like, what's his weight? Yeah, length, everything like that. Mm. Yeah. Take photos, like, do all that. How was your blood pressure during labor? I didn't even actually ask. Yeah, okay. Um, And what did it resolve postnatally? It resolved postnatally. I think it was still what it had been high. Mm -hmm. It was definitely still increased. Um, I know that because I was still checking it pretty regularly throughout my... um, labor but it resolved postnatally did having stitches suck no really? i actually didn't placenta got delivered oh my obstetrician is like so fast with like suturing it like efficient stitches were sweet i did not even i had a second degree tear didn't even really feel them much the worst thing i've ever felt in my entire life <laughs> maybe even trump's birth was my hemorrhoids. <laughs> Were they there before you had haze? Uh, I had a small one that was like hardly anything. Didn't mm-hmm. even think anything of it. And then after it was like, I couldn't sit. I couldn't walk properly. Oh. It was bad. And everyone kind of, I think people look at you like, oh yeah, like you've got stitches. Like it sucks. And you're like, fuck no. Like it's not even the stitches. It's my hemorrhoids. My but you don't want to say that. <laughs> no. You don't want to sit there and be like, I've got hemorrhoids. So, <laughs> How did you manage them? Um, I used a lot of ice and cream. Drank a lot of water. Drank a lot of water, fiber, the Movicol like sachets as well, yeah. pain relief, Panadol. How yeah. long did it take for them to go? A good two weeks. Oh, yeah, it was bad. I did. I don't even complain about my stitches at all, but the hemorrhoids. Were I wonder horrific. if that's why, because yeah, maybe if I didn't have them, yeah, mom. yeah. But yeah, that sucked. So I will never underestimate hemorrhoids ever again. <laughs> Did you poop? Yeah, I pooped. <laughs> Did you announce it to the room? Well, no, because I think I just, I saw my midwife just grab like the yeah. little like thing, oh, like the little So you didn't really, you went away. Yeah. <laughs> and then she just like scooped it out from underneath me and I thought to myself, yeah, I'm pooping. <laughs> that means I'm pushing well. But at the same back. time, I was like, I do not care. Yeah. <laughs> What surprised Matt the most about labor and birth? He definitely was surprised about how intense our job is. Mm. Um, oh, that's interesting. And how everything unfolds in the room and how high, I guess just how high intensity mm. it is and what we actually have to do. Mm. He said like he knew I was a midwife and he knew that like I delivered babies, but it can get that stressful 
and that we were all just kind of yeah we do this every single day Mm. like we were all just going through the motions even in myself I was like yeah like this is the next step Mm. yeah I'm pushing out a baby like oh yeah I'm delivering my placenta and having stitches and yeah I'll just get up and have a shower now like Mm. but I think for someone that doesn't go through that every day he was just like what is happening like (laughs) oh my god (laughs) Was there any advice that you'd previously given women that you thought was bullshit when you experienced pregnancy and birth yourself? Eat small meals, two hours apart. That was bullshit? Yeah. For reflux (laughs) anyway, because I got reflux really bad towards the end and nothing helped. (laughs) Okay. I even tried like sleeping, sitting up sometimes. Mm. Do you think when you go back to work, your practice as a midwife would change based on your own experience? Look, a lot of things that my midwife was saying to me in labor, Mm. I say to women every single day, but nothing that she said made me think like, no, or like, Mm. don't say that to me again, or Mm. everything she was saying was like really encouraging. That's awesome. Yeah. And just, I think knowing that she was there and that I'd previously met her before and it was such like a fun room and I felt like I could just like say whatever I wanted to her mm, safe yeah I felt really safe that's awesome yeah that's so I empowering it, oh honestly I especially considering the pep talk you were giving yourself the night before yeah I think once I did it and all that happened I was I was really proud of myself yeah. for one mm. not just because I went without having any pain relief because I don't think that's a measure yeah a measure of like how you give birth or how well you do it or yeah. the outcome or anything but I was just proud of myself that I got through it mentally as well mm. yeah did you surprise yourself that you didn't have any pain relief in labor yes I did mm. but I also think if I had been examined and I was like six seven centimeters yeah, I think I would have been oh, I would have needed something I was definitely at that point where I was like I can't do this anymore so give me something but then when I had an anterior lip I was like all right well I'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> this is it has the dynamic of your relationship with Matt changed at all after having Hayes well that's a good question mm. it's definitely changed as in you have your different roles because mm. now I'm on maternity leave he's working currently six days a week which yeah is hard enough on them yeah when they're going to work every day and then they come home and I'm straight away like here have haze like yeah because you've been with him for all day and you're exhausted but then you've got to remember that they're exhausted too and so I would say it's it's definitely changed because you don't get time together anymore there's a lot more expectations on each other too Mm. I think that you put on yourselves as opposed to each other no yeah definitely on yourselves I think it's just hard when you don't get time to yourself mm. as much anymore, time with each other. Yeah. And then you've also got this little human that you, both you don't know what they need all the time. What's been the hardest part of your journey? Not having my family. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone that's previously listened to our episodes, my family lives in Queensland. Um, and I do have some cousins down here and it's not the same as having yeah, a mum and dad it's there, not the s- it? and I have my um my partner's sister and mother who are both amazing and they support me 100% and I know they're always there um but I think I'm really really close to my mum she's like my best friend 
so not having she was here for like the first two to three weeks and most mornings she'd come over at like 7 a.m and i'd answer the door like with haze hanging off my boob or something (laughs) um but yeah not having her when i really needed it yeah when like i was sleep deprived and he was crying and i didn't know what he wanted and i just felt like i wasn't doing a good job yeah Mm. You just needed her support and reassurance. Yeah, you just need your mum. And I think as well, I kept thinking to myself, my baby isn't getting to know his grandparents. And that's what was really upsetting me too. Like, is he going to miss out on, like, the first year of, like, getting to know them? Mm. Yeah. Because we were in lockdown. He wasn't even getting to know Matt's mum either. Or Matt's sister. Like, he was just seeing us two. Mm. Yeah. I guess the flip side of that is that he... You had so much time to bond as yes. a like, yeah, little family yeah. unit. And, and your connection with Hayes is beautiful. Like every time I come to your house, and usually Hayes is asleep because we'll try and <laughs> do a sneaky record and obviously he's not with us right now. Um, but he'll come out and he'll look at you and his face just like completely lights up. Like his response to you is far yeah, different. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it's just and I definitely it's so beautiful. I to look love at being and watch. that, and it's hard all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure mm. to be someone's like everything. everything. Yeah, mm. and I don't think you really take into account of how much it's gonna take from you until yeah. you're actually like going through it. Yeah, and I was ready. I was always ready to be a mum. Like mm. I'd been ready, I think, for a couple of years. Um, but I don't think I was ready for not knowing, like, how long you're going to be in the transition for. Yeah. Like, I'm transitioning now mm. from going from his, like, six months to seven months. And I don't... Like, it's never going to end. Yeah. <laughs> how do you <laughs> the feel The worry's your... never going to end. Yeah. The guilt's never going to end. Yeah. How do you feel your cup up when you're drained? With them. Really? Yeah. Like even so, being, even when you're like completely depleted and you're yeah, they just have to like smile. Yeah. Okay. Or like he just has to laugh at Matt, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> melts your heart. Yeah. And like I can be so tired. I remember one morning, he'd been up all night. He was really unsettled. He'd been, I hadn't slept like at all. My mum wasn't here, mm. and I remember getting him out of bed in the morning, and he was crying, and I started crying. And I just, I remember thinking like, I'm failing. And when I burst into tears and I said to him like, what do you want? Like, I don't know what you want anymore. And Hayes just stopped crying and like, just looked at me. And then he just like smiled and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And that just like, that's all you need really. It just wiped the And then you feel bad because you're like, I just said to you, like, I just said to you, what do you want? Like, and I'm frustrated but it just takes, like, that's all it takes is for them to, like, laugh at you or smile and you're like, okay, I'm good again. <laughs> so I think when you're depleted, for me anyway, like, him and Matt are just what fill me back up again. And, like, even being away from him now, it's yeah, been, like, what, two it's... hours? Yeah. I'm already, like, I get to see him in, like, half an hour. Like, it's weird. It's it's so special. It's It's, it's special and it's overwhelming probably so hard to describe too like it's I know really I'm throwing hard. these questions at you but you can't explain it probably until you experience it yourself I think 
the feeling of being in transition from who I used to be and who I am now and then wondering when that transition's going to end because you you don't quite understand how you're going to say goodbye to like the previous yourself really Mm -hmm. you have to give up a lot being a mother but then at the same time it's just like yeah you gain heaps at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah has your perception of yourself it's obviously changed but in terms of who you are in your body like I know you were saying you were kind of saying goodbye to that the day before you went into labor but how do you perceive your body now and have you ever had pressure postnatally to bounce back or to meet the societal yeah I was very lucky that like everything went quite normal Mm. straightforward in my birth I felt good after birth apart from my hemorrhoids (laughs) (laughs) but um like stitches everything healed well my pelvic floor like feels fine I have like a mum tum which you know I just need to bring my abdominal muscles back together and I, but do you embrace it? Like, does it? Do yeah, you wake up and it no, bothers I you? never like look in the mm. mirror and think like, oh, like my body's changed. Yeah. It's just it's who I am now, and I, my boobs have changed, my tummy's changed. I no longer feel comfortable in a bikini at the moment, but I just went and bought like a really nice full piece. So who cares? Yeah, yeah. I've never really felt pressure in my body wise. Yeah, but in saying that, I don't feel like I've ever been someone even like through my teenage years or like early twenties or anything, but really focuses on my body image that much. Yeah. Yeah. Breastfeeding. Yeah. So how was your breastfeeding journey? Breastfeeding. Before you actually go into this, I'm just (laughs) going to like interject. The whole time I've known Sophie, (laughs) she'll explain why. I'll let her explain why, but she's always said she'll formula feed. And it's the one thing I think that every midwife on our team, particularly like the core um, five of us initially, were like, no, Sophie, we'll be supporting you with breastfeeding. It's the one thing you should try to do. Not everyone can do it and that's okay or wants to and that's okay. But, you know, if you don't have a (laughs) vaginal birth, that's fine. If you, you know, want pain relief, that's fine. This is the one thing that we said, so just give it a crack. And she's always adamant, like, no, I always say, like, I'm taking my bottles to the hospital, like, as a joke. My tin of formula. I think that was me not putting pressure on myself to do it. I was Mm. always, this is going to sound really weird, but as a midwife, I've always kind of been a little bit weirded out by breastfeeding and thinking of myself doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll give it a give it a go and it was really hard and I'm surprised I'm still breastfeeding actually but now it's fine in the first couple of days I felt like my nipples were gonna fall off (laughs) and I kept thinking how did I just go through labor and birth without any pain relief but I'm sitting on a couch like crying my eyes out Mm. at my baby trying to breastfeed and I struggled for the first couple of weeks I used nipple shields I was pumping um, around the clock every three to four hours. Was and that I to much, build your supply? Or that was because, because they were painful. he couldn't latch, latch onto the left side. Yeah. And then using a nipple shield, he was drowning in my milk. I, I never had issues with supply. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like coughing, spluttering. It was just pouring out everywhere. And it wasn't fun for me to try to breastfeed with the shield when it was like, it was. I was literally getting drenched. Yeah. I'd have to sit there with a towel I didn't want to breastfeed anywhere else but at home mm. because I wasn't comfortable with it. So I decided to just start pumping. 
because it was easier as well. I didn't want to have to pump on the left side, give that by a bottle, breastfeed on the right side mm-hmm. with a shield. So I pumped for pretty much about four weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. And then... It, Did you put him to the breast at all in that time? Oh, every now and then. Okay. Right side, yes. Yeah. I was feeding on the right side whenever. Yeah. Um, and then I'd maybe try every second day on the left side okay. to just see if he could latch yeah. without the shield um, and without pumping. And then it got to about four weeks. I was still pumping. He was taking the bottle fine. And then it took my mum to be like, why are you pumping? Like, just go to breastfeeding. Just give it another, like, rip, mm. and go. I love that that came from your mum. Well, I think I just needed to hear it. From her? Yeah, from yeah. someone. Mm. I, I I was just kind of doing my own thing. I'd seen yeah. Child and Family Health, and I was pretty adamant on just being like, nah, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And they I'm knew sweet. you were a midwife, and they knew so they I was kind a midwife, of let so they, you. Yeah, they yeah. were just like, okay, like, that's fine. Um, but then when my mum said that, I breastfed at the next feed. And I didn't pump again. He wow. just He just went on and he started feeding. And I think it was just that he was bigger. He was like four weeks old. It was yeah. easier on the left side. He knew what to do a bit more. And yeah, I breastfed from there out. And now he won't take a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Grew bigger. <laughs> you should say what Matt just texted you. Oh, what did he just text me? About the cup. Oh, so my partner's at home with my little boy now. And I did say before I left, like, there's a bottle in the fridge. I've pumped. He probably won't take it. But if he really needs it, you can give it a go. And he texts me saying, like, yep, he's woken up, doesn't want milk. I tricked him for a little bit with the cup, but he clued on pretty quickly. He's <laughs> <laughs> a very smart little thing. He so he's now taking, like, water from a cup. So we thought, like, if we just put the milk in there, he'll take it. But. No. He knows mama's milk. And then comes he sent me a picture of him at the pub with him. So <laughs> they're doing all right. <laughs> well, so, yeah. I think that wraps up our first birth of a mother episode. And I just want to say that I'm proud of you. Yes. I'm going to get emotional now, too. <laughs> it's so. I think it's because we've worked together as midwives yeah. and it's yeah. like so special to see how vulnerable you've been just now because I didn't know all of that information particularly like surrounding your process of being induced and what your mental state was at that time and I think it's so special and important for other women to know that every woman goes through this process and we are all the same and we're all human like just because we're midwives and we think that we should Mm. know the process and everything It's still scary for us. Yeah. And we still get scared about the exact same things, if not more, because yeah. we know of what more can go wrong. Yeah. But I think the most guilt and pressure is just put on by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no way to change that. No. It's just we like, that's it. <laughs> I think, you know, it just reiterates the importance of having a really good support network yeah. around you to yeah. reaffirm to you that you are doing okay. Yeah. And, if you have guilt, you can be the mother that you want to be. And I mean, we've had conversations around oh, this heaps. too, you know, yeah. with starting the podcast and, and feeling guilty that like Ash has to drive to me because we're trying to work around Hayes's nap times. And then if he wakes up and he needs a feed, cause he won't take a bottle, like pause it's thing. all just guilt. I know, but you'll do the but same thing. Wrapped up in, oh yeah. <laughs> Hopefully together. <I> think. <laughs> Not like together, yeah. together. <laughs> But yeah, I think I just wanted to end saying that I 
was so thankful for my obstetrician and my midwife and my student midwife and Matt that overall at the end of the day I got everything I ever wanted out of my labor and birth and I don't think I would have got that without my support team that's a great note to end on yeah and so important really important just as healthcare providers to know that like you made a difference in someone's yeah. day and you had a and big someone's impact life. yeah mm. yeah well thanks so for being our first guest in this birth of a mother series and we will see you all again for our next episode in a couple of weeks time so thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed it and, and I will be back co-hosting. Yeah. <laughs> I never have to be vulnerable ever again. <laughs> oh, no, now I've seen you cry. <laughs> it's coming back. So thank you for listening to this episode of With Woman. We hope you found this useful for your journey and you can find us on Instagram at withwoman.thepodcast. So flick us a follow and get amongst it. You'll find our latest episode updates there and also please feel free to slide on into our DMs if there are any topics you'd like us to discuss in the future. That's it for us. Bye. Bye.